And sometimes when we come on a Sunday morning, you just need to listen and let your heart be lifted up with some of these songs. And thank you for that singing. Let's go ahead and I want to invite you to take your Bibles this morning and open up to Colossians chapter 1 to the passage that Pastor Steve read earlier. And once you're there, we'll go ahead and just bow in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Father, for these beautiful songs that we sang. And Father, I think of that song, Power of the Cross. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live. All because of what your son Jesus did for us. And Father, this morning, we come to celebrate him. We come to see him. And Father, I do pray that as we now come to your word, would you just open it up to our minds, help us to understand it. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory for what you and you alone can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the years, one of the joys that I've had or the privilege that I have is when we travel is I enjoy going to different bookstores. Uh, one of the sections that I enjoy browsing through in these bookstores is the religion and the spirituality section. And when I go and I browse, I'm always amazed at the number of books that are dealing with this topic. And many times I'll go and I'll just look in the back to see kind of what they're dealing with. And one of the common themes that almost all of them seem to, to deal with or to answer, is this question. Where can one find lasting fulfillment? Almost all the books are trying to deal with that. Because at the center, what these authors realize, and what's in their heart and in our heart, is at the center of the longing of man, of what's inside of us, is this longing for something more than what this world can bring. It's true today, as it was true in Paul's day. And what you find happening in Paul's day is a certain teaching, a false teaching, that began to arise in the city of Colossae. We're not sure exactly how it started. It could have been one day, back in that day, that one of the men, maybe a small group leader, maybe a Sunday school teacher, decided to go browse his local bookstore. And when he went into that bookstore, he saw a poster. And on that poster, it said, best-selling author. More than 10,000 copies sold this month. He thought, well, that's interesting. And so he looks at it, and here's the title, The Pathway to a Fulfilled Life. And he thinks to himself, you know what, I think I'm going to get that. I think that would be a good study for our life group or maybe for our Sunday school class. And so he gets that book and he begins to read it. And before long, when he gets to chapter 4, that's usually where this stuff is hidden, he gets to chapter 4 and he starts, the author starts talking about how there's a secret knowledge out there which if you can tap in, to this secret knowledge, you will gain ultimate 
fulfillment and completion. This pleroma. And so they begin to teach this somewhat. Epaphras, the pastor who started this church, he begins to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And so he decides, you know what, I think, I think I'm going to go visit the Apostle Paul. So he goes and he travels to Paul who's in prison. And he begins to tell Paul about this great little church that was started. But then he begins to tell him about what he's seeing. And I can imagine Paul getting quiet and saying to Epaphras, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Can you wait till tomorrow morning? I'm going to go ahead and pray about this tonight. And why don't you come see me in the morning? Epaphras goes home or goes maybe to his little motel or wherever he's staying. And the next morning he goes to the Apostle Paul and he says, all night long when I was in prayer, I, I wrote this letter. Would you please read this to your people? Because in this letter, I'm going to answer the question that they're seeking. Where does one find fullness? Or how can one experience fullness? And so Paul writes the letter to Colossae. And as Steve read for us this morning, starting in verse 9, after the greeting of verse 1 through 8, he gives this prayer. And he says this in verse 9, For this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And here's simply my first point. The first point is supplication. Paul says, for this Cause. Well, what cause? Well, if you were just to go back to verses 1 through 9, what Paul has done in those verses is basically giving thanks to God for the gospel and the fruit of the gospel in their lives. So Paul looks at this, this little church, the gospel has come forth. There's this faith, there's this love, and there's hope. And Paul just says, I thank God so much. And so this supplication is driven by thanksgiving. But as we're going to see in the content here, it's also driven by a desire to protect. Thankfulness and protection. Because I think after Paul heard what Epaphras had to say, he clearly saw the danger signs that were lying underneath the surface and could quickly overtake a church. When we lived in Sedgefield, South Africa, we lived five minutes from the Indian Ocean. In fact, at night we could hear the ocean. Um, our area where we lived had some of the strongest riptides in that area. Interesting enough, as we would go out there, especially during the holiday seasons, we'd watch as the lifeguards were out there. And what the lifeguards were doing is they were watching the waves, they were watching what the tide was doing, and periodically they would go out and they would move to signs. Now here's what the signs said. Danger, no swimming. And all day long as they were watching the waves and they were watching the tides, they would go out there and they would take these signs and they would move them. 
But every once in a while, you would have a person who'd go, you know what, I think I'm a strong swimmer. I think I can handle that. And they'd get out there swimming, and the lifeguard would blow his whistle to warn them. I remember one time as we were out there, there was three huge bodybuilders. Uh, these guys looked like balloons. They were so big. I remember watching these guys going, I wonder what's going to happen. And they go out to swim. Lifeguard moves. They're not paying attention to the sign. And before long, we saw three lifeguards just go racing into the water as the riptide was carrying these men out. And for the next 10 to 15 minutes, these lifeguards tried to bring them and pull them back in. Uh, they were balloons going out. They were pretty inflated coming in. Danger. And this is what Paul is doing. Danger. There's danger lurking underneath. And so he says, I'm giving this prayer. It's a prayer of thanksgiving or driven by thanksgiving, but it's also a prayer driven by protection. You ever been driven that way to pray? Uh, perhaps you knew parents. You go in to check on your little baby, lying there, in his little cot, his arms are sprawled out, blanket has been kicked away from him. You watch as his little chest goes, goes up and down, and there he's in a deep sleep, and your heart just surges with love and thankfulness for this little baby. And so you cry out, thank you, Father, but then in the same breath, protect him from the dangers that are out there. I felt this as a missionary. When we would church plant, and you're just in the early stages of church planting, we'd get about 30, 40 people, and constantly we would have false, different false teachers and false doctrine coming into our church. We would, in those early years, have times of testimony, and I'd say, does anyone have a testimony? And one by one, and Almost always when we would do this, there would be one visitor who's never come before and they would raise their hand and say, I would like to say something. Okay? Can I come forward? I always wanted to say no, but I was too kind. I said, okay. And they would come forward and they would turn around and they would say something like this. I had a vision from God that He wants me to give you. And then I would put my arms around them and say, thank you so much. Go sit down. Let's sing Amazing Grace. One time we had a false teacher come. I think I've told this story before, but they were sitting in the back. And they'd been coming to our church for a while. When I would be preaching and teaching, they'd be back. They're going, uh-uh, uh-uh, no way. Well, I thought in that way they were going, amen, amen. And so I was getting excited by what they were doing. So they're going, uh-uh, I'm going, yes, I got people amening me. And finally one day a couple who sits in front of them, good friends of us, came up and go, are those people disagreeing with you? I said, no, I think that's their way to say amen. Well, a little while later I get a knock at our door sitting there studying. These two people walk in. They said, we would like to teach you the Bible. I went, okay. And they begin to explain how there is no trinity. They begin to explain 
How when we die, our soul just goes to sleep. And so we worked through that. They left. Later on that Wednesday night as we were meeting, it came out that those people were going from house to house of people in our church spreading this doctrine. And I can see Paul's prayer. Father, thank you for the work you're doing in these people's hearts. Please protect them from the danger that is out there. So Paul gives supplication. Now, he moves into his content. Look at verse 9 again. For this cause also since the day we heard it. Do not cease to pray for you. And look at the content here. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. And so my second point is just simply this word. It is the word saturation. Because that is really what Paul's prayer is. Is that you would be filled or saturated with the knowledge of God's will. Now that little word filled, once again is where we get this word. It's a word he uses over and over and over in this book. It is the word pleroma. And it has the idea of complete fullness or completion or totality. The word knowledge filled with the knowledge comes from two Greek words. And it has the idea of full knowledge or thorough knowledge. Or we could say it this way, experiential knowledge. It's a knowledge that you're growing in. Uh, for instance, before maybe some of you met us, maybe you were reading some of our prayer letters, you had a knowledge about us. But then one day, uh, maybe I came and knocked at your door and you offered me in and there was some tea and coffee and we began to talk and we begin to build a relationship. Now you have a greater knowledge. And some of you are going, I wish I could just go back to that little knowledge of you. But that's the idea of knowledge. It's this full knowledge. Now remember, what was the false teaching going on in Paul's day? Remember what they were saying? Is that there is a knowledge out there, and if you can tap into that knowledge or that truth, you will experience fullness and completion. And Paul brilliantly approaches this in his prayer. And here's what he's saying. You want to experience the fullness? You want to find the experiential knowledge that leads to fullness? Here it is. Be filled or saturated with God's will. Now folks, we don't have to guess what God's will is. I don't need a prophet or someone who had a vision to come up here. Just turn over a page. Let me just show you two verses. Look at chapter 2. Verse 3, talking about Jesus Christ. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you want to understand truth. You want to understand knowledge and wisdom. Who are they found in? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. Now just go over to chapter 3 and look at verse 16. Just take your eyes down there. 
Look at what Paul says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And so where do we find God's will? We find it in His Son as revealed in His Word. So the Word of God teaches us His will. It teaches us about Christ. And it teaches us then how to live for God. Now, here's a question when I come to this. And it's a question I ask myself and I ask you. What is your attitude towards the Word of God? Or I could ask it this question. What was your attitude before you came to church this morning? I mean, folks, let's be honest. It's been a long week, a nonstop week, early mornings, late nights. Along with work, there's been extra activities to go to, dinner plans. Saturday was not a restful day. It was a busy day. We finally get to bed Saturday night late. Sunday morning comes and that alarm goes off and what are you thinking? I don't want to get up. I'm going to have to get ready. I'm going to have to get all my kids ready. They're going to be grumpy fighting. My teens are going to say that I don't understand what they're going through and they're going to make me late. And we're going to be rushing out the door, stressed out. It would be so much easier just to stay in bed. Now, you don't need to confess this. Some of you are saying in your minds, were you spying on me this morning? No, because that's our experience. Get here, you're all stressed out. But folks, why do we come? Do we come with earnestness, with expectation, with anticipation that God is going to open up His Word to us and fill us with it? What's our attitude towards small groups in Sunday school? We say, ah, I only need one of those things. Really? You say, Lee, you've gone from preaching to meddling. Let's move on. All right, let's move on. What's your attitude toward the Word of God? So Paul's supplication is that we would be saturated with the Word of God. And then thirdly, look at what he says again in verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now look at this last phrase. And all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so a saturated mind leads to spiritual transformation. That's my third point. It's my closing. Look at what Paul says. The end phrase again. The knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That word spiritual actually modifies both wisdom and understanding. A better word for understanding is actually a word insight. 
And why is it spiritual? You see, most truth can be learned. But divine truth must be revealed. It's spiritual. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 and 10, But as it is written, what, I, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. We can't understand it through empirical evidence, eyes and touching and seeing. We can't understand it through rationalism. The Spirit of God opens our eyes to the truth. That's why Paul says in the same book, 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and 5, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Here's what Paul is saying. If I get up here and I can convince you of a certain truth, then another man could get up here and he could convince you of a different truth. But if God by His Spirit convinces you, that's the power of God and no one can lead you away from that. It is spiritual. Secondly, it is transformative. He says spiritual wisdom and spiritual insight. God gives wisdom and insight in how to live in every area of your life. So you need to make a decision. You need to know maybe when you go to work and there's that Boss who seems to be in a bad mood. How do I act with him? How do I respond to him? Uh, maybe I need to make a decision about what God's will is for me. Or maybe I need to make a decision or an action with my children and my wife. You see, God's knowledge fills us and then it gives us this wisdom and insight in how to live for him and then how to please him. That's why Paul ends with this. Look at verse 10. I'm just going to read these. Here's what he says. Here's the purpose. Verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So here's what Paul is saying. My prayer, my supplication, is that your mind would be saturated with the Word of God. When that happens, this transformation, this spiritual transformation takes place so that you are pleasing to God. Then he gives four ways in which a pleasing walk looks like. Let me just read them. You can do this on your own for your own study. Verse 10, you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And here's the first one. Being fruitful in every good work. Here's the second one. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Here's the third one. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Unto patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. 
Then here's the fourth one. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So Paul says, when this is what fills us, this is how we live. You see, folks, this really is the pathway to the Christian life. So many times in my counseling, People will come up to me and they'll say, I, I want more. What do I do? And it sounds so trite. But you need to read your Bible. Oh, I, I know that. I know that. Are you doing it? Uh, a little. But you've got to read your Bible. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to study it. You've got to be filled with it. Because what happens when God's Word saturates you? You begin to find your fullness in God, and you begin to find a life that glorifies God. Power to live for Him. That was a song, many of the songs we sang this morning. Dave and Rosalie, their first special. Trust and obey. Why? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. You want to find the fullness? You want to find completion? Paul gives this prayer. You have to be filled with the knowledge of His will. Where does that lead us? It leads us to His Son, Jesus Christ, who gave His life for our sins. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning. Father, thank You for Paul's prayer. And Lord, I pray, would you help us as a church to love your word? Would you help us as a church to be saturated by your truth so that, Father, we may live lives transformed to your glory? We love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. Father, if there be someone here maybe this morning who's never put their trust in you, would you just work in their hearts? In Jesus' name, amen.